Hello, welcome to Book Shambles. Producer Trent here. This is our annual Books of the Year episode of Book Shambles that we record in little snippets backstage at the Compendium of Reason and Nine Lessons and Carols for Curious People, where we grab various guests as they are passing through the green room and chat to them about what they've read this year. So just some of the guests on this episode, uh, Robin and Josie and uh, Chris Hadfield and Tim Peake. Uh, I think this is probably our first ever episode with two astronauts on it. Uh, Lucy Green is on there, Joe Neary, Susie Gage, Claudia Hammond, Michael Legg, lots, lots more. So we hope you enjoy that. Don't forget to uh, pledge your support on Patreon, patreon.com slash bookshambles. If you can spare a pound a month or a dollar a month, I should say, uh, like, subscribe, review, five stars, all that business on Apple Podcasts and beyond. Enough from me. Here is Robin and Josie. Hello, I'm backstage with uh, Josie Long, uh, who we very rarely see nowadays. We very yeah. rarely, so it's always a treat. Um, and it's and, sad, uh, isn't it? Sad. Yeah, it is sad, actually. All I do is childcare and watching TV. I like that one. That is a, it's a very, I can see that as about... It's Joni Mitchell. But about 1981. <laughs> 1981. Um, the, uh, so... Um, have you read any books this year? Have you had a chance to? Because you've managed to start getting time. I know it's extremely tough to find the time to. Yes, I've just really started again. Um, but I can't remember what I've read. Do you know what frustrates me endlessly is, I keep saying to myself, just start a diary of the books you've read. Well, like, that's what I've done. I've had to do that. And has it been great? Have you been well, able yeah, to Yeah, it, it means I still go, why haven't I retained information? Huh, yeah. But I go, but I did read all those things, even if they went straight through to the other side. They, I'll tell you what, I'm handing this somewhere. over. You keep talking about things and just you stop it whenever you want. What, where are you going? I've got to go and introduce another act because oh. they're all on quite quick, you know. So I'm just going to get that. Okay. One, two. Hello. One, two. Yep. Yeah, yep. great. Hello, I've been left with this finally. Finally, get to do a uh, book shambles recording on my own. Uh, let's bring down the government. Bit fun, bit fun. <laughs> uh, what have I read this year? I'm trying to get not get too confused between this year and last year um oh gosh that's going to be a, a lot of wasted did uh, right now i've read a fair few poetry books this year which uh has been really thrilling although there's a poet called crispin best he was one of the faber new poets a couple of years ago and i loved his new poets it, it's kind of a small book, like a pamphlet, I suppose. It was amazing. And he's just released his first collection, and I still haven't got it. And I can't believe it. It's like when I find out a band I love released an album a year ago, and I'm like, what have I been doing that's more important than this? What a fool. Um, I've also taken to recording my friends' voice messages on WhatsApp. That's my real new thing when I'm walking with the pram. And this is starting to feel a little bit like that, which I'm worried is too over-intimate in some of you especially real Robin heads on the podcast, will be absolutely reeling from this. Uh, but maybe if you're using this to go to sleep, I can do some ASMR. If you want to just relax gently. Uh, relax. No, don't. Wake up. Um, this is so frustrating. Oh, uh, I read The Wall by John Lanchester. Lanchester, and it was great. Um, really fun, really um, Children of men E. Uh, although I haven't read Children of Men, I've just seen the film, but... Never, ever get over a chance to um, recommend the film Children of Men. I feel I've been reading again. This is so frustrating. I've been sort of thrilled to be reading again. Oh, God. What's the point of having kids that wrecks your brain? And my brain was only halfway good in the first place. Um, I hope that whatever you're reading, you're enjoying yourself. A friend and I aren't doing Dickens December this year because we're worried that the literal Dickensian levels of poverty around us will be too depressing when we read uh, Dickensian prose about poverty, if that makes sense. So um, instead, buy myself a picture book. Now here's a thing. I'd like to review, I was just talking to my friend about this, The Gruffalo, it's not it's not as good as I thought it was going to be, and that's no diss. But I thought it was going to be like where the wild things are, and it's just fine. So that was a major disappointment. Uh, uh, I hope that 2020 is better than 2019, although I have a sinking suspicion it won't be. <laughs> I haven't turned this off yet because I don't know how, but I'm going to give it to Trent. Trent, I don't know how to turn this off. 
this off. I've just recorded a very random. I'm going to keep that bit in. Michael Legg. Hello, mate. Uh, we're backstage at Nine Lessons and Carols for Curious People, uh, where atomic models are being made uh, with polystyrene balls and uh, lolly sticks as normal. Uh, that's just that's what I like background. to do. It's how I like to unwind. Yeah, I know. You but, like to just create before a, a big gig. Yeah, I mean, I'm, do. I'm not doing a big gig, but no. you are. Well, you're near a big gig, I'm, and that's pressure enough. And I isn't really it? like to unwind before you go on stage. Now I get so tense. Yeah, I know. I get, so if I haven't made a little model, I'm so relaxed when I go on stage because exactly. I know how much agony you're in. Yeah. Your agony to me is a wonderful salve and sorbet. Sure. Um, so you and been... if anyone needs salve, right? Yeah. You do. It's it's, it's anyway. Me. This year it's not a Dennis Potter book. What book is it that you've enjoyed most? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the Hate Poems by John Tottenham. Oh, you really loved that. I remember you oh, really? when you first read that. Yeah. It's, yeah, well, why would I not? I like, it seems like it's perfectly written for me. It's full of just the utter crushing disappointment in, you know, you know that moment when you wake up and then... That's it, and crushing then, disappointment of waking yeah, up. But, but then, you know, that moment where you go to sleep again. It's, it's that horrible time in between those two things. And it's summed up so beautifully. I can't give you examples of that. I would just suggest that you read that book. I've still not well, read it because it wasn't here. in my... I wasn't allowed to this year, but I can read it next year. It's not a very long book. It's a book of poetry. I could sit here while you read it. And yeah. Then, and then we can Why don't I it. sit here and you read it to me? Well, I haven't got a copy of it. Well, and I haven't got one either, so how the fuck are we going to do that? This, well, I mean, I'm not the one that's arranging this podcast, mate. No, I am. And you've right. let me down. Is it a podcast? I don't know. It's I just for your private collection. Yeah, yeah. I like to listen to your voice... It helps me. It, it doesn't brilliant. help me sleep. No. But if I can't afford to create my own nightmare because I've used my brain so much, sure. then I just On listen the to your voice. On the nights when you think, oh, I'm not getting insomnia. Yeah. So, and you need it. Yeah. Then I can help you out. Uh, anything else you've enjoyed? Yeah. Yep. Although that was, that's, oh yeah. Shout, Sister Shout. Right. The book about um, Sister Rosetta Tharp. It's, uh, you know. Oh, uh, yes. She's, uh, she basically is one of the uh, founders of rock and roll itself. And she's utterly phenomenal. Her story is, of course, uh, you know, 19, she was born in 1920s, America, and you just know from the moment she's born, you're going to go, this is going to be a really tough, horrible existence. And indeed, she, you know, she, she goes through sort of like... Um, a very poverty-stricken childhood, but uh, but also uh, then when you know every single lover that she has, that she you know it basically uh, is violent towards her, and horrible, and yet through all this, she creates the most glorious, uplifting, brilliant music that she sings, that literally her life depends on it. And if, if you watch, uh, do, do you know? YouTube, the channel. Yeah, yeah, I love that, that, that channel. channel it's YouTube, great. You know, if you look on that TV channel on YouTube, uh, you'll find loads of her stuff. And probably the most phenomenal thing, and there's a lot of phenomenal parts in her life story. So it's, it's really well worth uh, reading this book. Um, but uh, I think sort of about, it was something about five or six years before she died, uh, she, she basically got, why am I laughing? It's terrible. She got gangrene. And she had to have a le- her leg amputated. And you think, well, that's surely the end of her career, really. Because, you know, it was all about being on stage. Uh, and uh, very much, she, in the same way that, you know, Angus Young runs about with the guitar, she very much runs about with her guitar. Pr- pretty much Angus Young got everything from Rosetta Tharp. And now, all of a sudden, she's got one leg. Freaking hell, look it up on the YouTube channel. There she is, standing on one leg, singing to God himself for all that she's Who wrote worth. that book then? Is it, it's not um, it's book, is it? Gail F. Wald. Right. Uh, it's a really, really great book and a really brilliant story. Because I was going to, there was a, a, a book about Billie Holiday that I nearly, uh, I, I read a very, very long review of it, and at the end of the review, I went, 
really going to have to wait until uh, I've got the uh, the wherewithal and to to read it because it, just the again the bleak it is difficult, isn't it? Well, sometimes you just go, and then people go, yeah, but I mean, the great thing was if they hadn't had all that bleakness, and they wouldn't be able to create lovely things. Some just go, oh, imagine a world without lovely things. Yeah, if everyone was happy in it, we don't need lovely things. We're happy. Um, yeah. Uh- Debbie Harry's autobiography. Oh, yeah, I've not read that yet. It's, it's really good, except I've never read a book that has more... Uh, I've got to get the word count. Right. More, I mean, it's really, really good. And then the last two... I was chapters. wearing, like, a hat and shoes. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what trousers I was wearing. It might have been the jeans that it's I not, bought it's recently. Not that, it's, not that, it's not that weird. It's just the last two chapters are... It, there's a chapter about, oh, things that fans have given me as presents. And then the final chapter is about tarot cards. It's like, do we need any of this? Oh, I wouldn't mind that. Debbie seemed to think we did. That sold it to me. Tarot card book is... uh, Because I was going to get Jodorowsky's book about tarot, but might get Debbie Harris now. Okay, sure. Thanks, Michael. You're very welcome, Robin. Hello, backstage at Nine Lessons again. I'm with uh, Pete Etchells, who wrote a very interesting book. For someone who's not uh, someone who plays video games, uh, I found it fascinating. Well, I have a son, though, who plays them a lot, um, who wrote uh, Lost in a Good Game, which I highly recommend for either people who are interested uh, in video games and spend a lot of their time playing them and want to justify how that's not going to turn them into uh, mass murdering slaughterers, uh, or if you have a child and you're worried that a video game might turn them into some kind of mass murderer, slaughterer, uh, or a strange uh, hobo living in a cave, uh, he will explain how those things are not probably going to happen. Probably. It's always a probably. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully and probably. I yeah. think both. I think there's a probability there. Yeah, there's a I think there's a hope there as well. Yeah. Everything well, in moderation, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who, uh, what's your uh, favourite book of the year? My favourite book of the year is The Art of Rest by Claudia Hammond, which is much needed for me. I have a six-month-old, so... Um, Rest and sleep is, is not high on my agenda at the minute. Um, and I'm actually, I'm supposed to be on annual leave this week and I've spent most of the week working. So I don't really do downtime well. Um, and it's been nice to read about how to do it properly. Um, and there's loads of stuff out there about rest and mindfulness and all that sort of stuff. And it tends to be a little bit crap. But it's really refreshing to have a book that's based in objective science that looks at what works and what doesn't. Um, and makes you feel as though you can sort of snuggle up with a, a warm, cosy book on a warm, cosy chair on a warm, cosy night. Because you do have to find a speed way of resting when you've got a six-month-old. Yeah, pretty much. How can I rest as quickly as possible? Oh, my God, trying to think about resting. has really got my adrenaline up now. I've only got two minutes to rest. Ah! Yeah, it's sort of the, 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 the multi-hour long panic where you're sort of sat in bed just worrying that you're not asleep, um, and then they wake you up anyway, so... Um, trying to avoid stuff like that. It's been it's been nice just to kind of steal away for a little bit and read that book. So I found the first month quite restful because when my wife would go to bed, I would kind of then place my son in one arm. Uh, I'd have a notebook, uh, a glass of uh, wine and some biscuits and I would watch documentaries and I would start researching what was going to be my next show. But then by the second month, it's not as easy. Yeah, that sounds really productive. My first month was playing Doom and watching the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe at two o'clock in the morning, basically. So I could have done something much more productive. No, you should have done. You're correct. (laughs) Um, By the way, just uh, in terms of psychology, um, you mentioned mindfulness. Have you come across Ronald Purser's Mook Mindfulness? I've heard of it. It's interesting. It's, It's from repeater books, and it's a kind of look at why mindfulness may be kind of passing the buck on what is a much bigger problem. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, the general issue that there's um, how, how people kind of approach mindfulness is a little bit, it's it sort of, well, this worked for me, so it must work for everybody. Um, and that's always a bit of a dangerous route to go down. So sort of classically, relatively poorly studied area of psychology as well. So um, as with most stuff that I talk about, I think. Um, so you know, maybe we'll get some good stuff in the future. But um, mindfulness kind of sounds like just achieving uh, Zen through eating hamburgers. So. Is that part of it as well? I don't like that either. This is a disaster. Um, the, what is the book you're most looking forward to reading your child? Oh, um, that's a really good question. She's called Matilda, so I'm looking forward to reading her Matilda by Roald Dahl. There's a musical that the movie is great as well. Yeah, directed by Danny DeVito. It's fantastic. Um, and the, starring. Yeah, starring, direct the whole, yeah, it's it, it, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. 
You're our big star tonight, Claudia Hammond. Claudia Hammond, uh, author of Art of Rest, which has been uh, tremendously successful on the, from the day of its release, and already gone into a second printing. I highly recommend it. Um, what have you enjoyed this year? The book I have really enjoyed this year is a novel uh, by Jennifer Egan, who wrote Visit from the Goon Squad, and it's Manhattan Beach. Have you read it? No, I haven't yet. It's really good. It came out a couple of years ago, but I read it this year. And it's all about, it starts all about this little girl. It's set in New York in the sort of 30s and then, uh, in the 1920s and 1930s. Um, and then she grows up and she becomes a um, deep sea diver. A, uh, and so it's very, very unusual at the time for there to be a woman deep sea diver. And it's, I mean, and completely terrifying as well. They put all these, you know, all this heavy stuff on her head and she put her down in the water in the docks in New York and it's absolutely terrifying and it's all black and dangerous and all the men think she won't be able to do it and um, she does. But there's also sort of things going on and she doesn't, in her childhood, and she doesn't quite know what's going on because she doesn't quite understand. It's, uh, it's, it's so gripping, it's so brilliant, it's amazing. And I've I, still not read Visit from the Green Squad, which I've got <gasps> because the, the thing is, I don't read that much. This year, I've got much better on reading fiction. But Actually, I've got I don't the read backlog. Very much I've got a huge backlog. No. What is your. I um, read much more non fiction. Within your own you know, world of kind of expertise within psychology and neuroscience and that area, what, what have, have there been any books that you feel have particularly uh, stood out? Oh, again, I think it's what, not one that came out this year, but um, To Be a Machine that is about um, uh, transhumanism and what can happen with that. I see. I've, now that, I've just, that's so Mark. So well written. Uh, Mark, yes. It's Mark. It's by one of the Marks. He's called Mark. Uh, and uh, he's He won the Welcome Book Prize for it. Yeah, because I've just started reading his kind of uh, ideas of the end of the world, or the kind of uh, apocalypse book. I've just just got hold of that. So, but it's so brilliantly written, and he manages to you know he takes you around to all these people with uh, all these ideas that are not necessarily based on a huge amount of scientific evidence, and he could just completely rip the piss out of them, but instead he he shows you what the evidence says and he shows you where the flaws are in their suggestions but he's quite compassionate about why they want to believe it and I think that's actually nice he could have made it really sneery and he resisted that temptation oh well that's obviously what he's starting to do in, the, in this, this new book as well ah maybe that's his thing not sneering which is nice how far up did reading come in the art of rest? reading was number one so there we are so the most restful activity I think it is in fact, when I did your show about this, I couldn't do reading because someone had nabbed it already. You weren't allowed to do reading. No, that's I wasn't. True. And, and it is, it is the time where I go off on my own. That's the bit where all sense of time goes. That bit of reading in the bath or whatever it is, and you just think, oh, oh my God, I'm, ne- I'm nearly, I have to set the alarm now. Because once I'm lost in that, uh, just started reading Terence Stamps. Uh, he, did, he did a few autobiographies, I think, in the late 80s, early 90s. And he's done a new one, which is kind of what came out last year in Repeater Books, which is more about also his experience with the mystic, because, of course, he became very interested in that. And it's, yeah, it's such a fantastic kind of like one moment there. He's a young bloke growing up in the East End. Then the next moment he's with uh, Murray Watson, who was a wonderful uh, actor in all, all manner of TV shows, including Rumpole of the Bailey and films as well. And then, then suddenly you go, oh, now he's having tantric sex with someone in France. This is moving at an incredible pace. But I was reading that and I was so caught up in all of these adventures he's having. And then it was like kind of, oh, now I'm going to miss doing nine lessons. And you probably concentrate all the time when you're reading. But it's okay if you want to daydream. There's been quite a lot of research on mindless reading and how you can tell by tracking people's eye movements whether they are concentrating or not. And their eyes carry on moving, uh, moving down the page, across the lines, across, 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 even though they're not really reading it and not concentrating. But you can tell by whether they... We usually pause when we get to unusual words. It goes a bit slower. And if you're doing mindless reading because you're thinking about something else, you don't. So you can tell when people are doing it and when they're not. But that's okay too. It's like the book is a jumping off point for daydreaming. And daydreaming can be very restful too. It annoys me because I've done that before, when, and then you especially have to when you're tired. Yeah. And, but that's such an interesting thing as well. In that idea of, you know, obviously people are, are often driving and the kind of really the, the, the consciousness is not there. It is this, and in the same way, that reading where you go, oh my God. And, uh, so obviously I've looked at all the words. Yeah. Nothing's gone in. And then you go, oh, I've got to start that paragraph again. And for some reason, once you've drifted off once, even if it's a great book, it seems to keep happening. You go, oh, I've missed the fucking words again. Yeah, but you don't need to worry about that because it's fine. It's still restful. Oh, I need to worry. It's still good for you. Oh, OK. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Hammond. Now, Gecko, who the first time that I... Well, the first time was at Bloomsbury, wasn't it, in the cellar? It was, yeah. About four or five years ago now. Um, what have you been reading, then? Um, oh, I, ve- I vaguely remember this same conversation last year, and um, I was, like, stumbling around trying to remember the name of a book about geography. 
but this year, I do remember uh, that I really liked Sex, Power, Money by Sarah Pascoe. Right. Yeah, um, I've, ju- I've just read... I haven't read all of it, but I've, I've read the first kind of 50% of it, yeah. Yeah. And I found it very... The way she writes the introduction is tremendously Amazing. funny as well. It's, 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 I mean, I really enjoyed Animal as well, but it seems yeah. to be even more her ability to kind of deliver something that seems both conversational but at the same time works perfectly off the page. And then, yeah, the, with the male narrator jumping in as, like, um, an alternative view is brilliant. And, yeah, I just think, like, um, I just... I, just, I really like books about those kind of subjects, but having it be funny as well is just mm. such a nice, just helps. Especially like maybe like two thirds of the way through something like um, by like Yuval Noah Harari, I'm like, I really like this, but now I've just got to finish it. Yeah. Whereas this kind of just it just skips along, and I just um, yeah, it's just I just well, it's like a, why I love you so much. It's the, the mix between something talking about something serious and having humour in there but not just purely being a comedy thing I think it's my favourite thing that Sarah Pascoe does is like the books it's just like it's just her perfectly because when you hear her talk she's just got she's so like knowledgeable and kind of in a way it's like stand up is great but it's just I want her I want all of that in one thing do you know what I mean she does. She gets so excited by ideas. It's a really yeah. wonderful thing to see as she gets caught up in them. Was it Prisoners of Geography last it year? It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was. I thought it was that one. Um, novels. Do you read any novels this year? Um, I've just started rereading um, his Dark Materials. I tried to like. Oh, I'm going to read it before the the TV show, but then I I didn't. But yeah, I've just started rereading that. But I kind of I struggle with novels. I need to. I need to. I need to get into it. But I just yeah, I just really struggle with novels. It's kind of. Um, I don't know why but yeah yeah I used to have that I think when you do get and this year I've worked really hard to make sure that I've read lots lots of novels and it's kind of once you get into but I also think style is really hard because I I, I can't remember I was talking to you before was saying about they used to think that they were plot driven that's what drew them to things and then they realised it's character yeah, and I think I've realised it is that there's. I tried reading a few like crime novels recently, and they're so stylistically different to yeah. what I've been reading. Barbara Cummins and uh, Jean Rhys and uh, and and Elizabeth Taylor and people like that. that. I've just gone. Oh yeah, I don't really like this way of writing. And I've right. realised it's the stories are really good. Yeah, but I don't get into them. But once the character is there, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I just need to work that out. What what it is I like, but um, yeah, because. I don't. I'm not really that into facts. Like, do you know what I mean, facts are so um, overrated these days, and I'm trying to sort of ride <laughs> that wave of just like not being into them. So I think I need to get into novels because it's it's just high time. Um, you read Kurt Vonnegut because we always mention Kurt Vonnegut on books. Um, no, I haven't. And yeah, I've I've heard the name a lot, and I kind of think that that might be that might be something. Where would you Where would you say? Well, would I think do best? start with the, the classic one, which is the one that really made him, which is Slaughterhouse Five, which okay. is a book that I go back to every few years, and it's one of those books that each time you read it, depending on the age you are, it seems to be, or maybe the experience you've had in between, okay. you get something different. You notice something else seems to be the main point. Yeah. In terms of, but it's just because it's set in a kind of block universe where he's the lead character is bouncing back and forth between being a soldier in World War Two, being okay. a prisoner of war, then being uh, an optometrist, and then finding himself also kidnapped and placed in a zoo by an alien life form as well. And yeah, it kind of yeah. leaps around, and he never quite knows where he's about to be in in time. And it covers so many ideas about, yeah. and, and it's based on Kurt Vonnegut's own experience of of, uh, of being in Dresden, uh, being a prisoner of war in Dresden okay. when that was amazing. Born. I think, yeah, what I'm trying to find is the equivalent of Randy Newman in novel. So if, if, you, if you've got any thoughts... I wonder if Kurt Vonnegut of, might yeah. be. I wonder. Okay. That's Come back next year. Yeah. And we'll one find more, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Nice one. That's, yeah, that's a booking, is great, a booking for next it? year. Oh, yeah, he's definitely booking for next year. Backstage uh, next to a large tub of celebrations, the last night of Nine Lessons and Carols. Um... Chris Lintot, he best known for his work with the Zooniverse now. Um, in fact, that, book, that book's not quite out yet, is it? It's just out. Yeah. Just out. So, uh, and you can listen to a book as we did uh, together. Um, Chris, what are your? Have you got favourite books of this year? For science, I read. I finally read Ed Yong's uh, "We Contain Multitudes" or "I Contain Multitudes" or whatever that was, which was an amazing, amazing mm. book. 
Um, I was in Cambridge as a student at the same time as him, and he never spoke to me, but he can write. And uh, as a physicist, hearing about that side of biology and to uh, understand quite how complex the world is and we are, and that the, there are all these things inside us, is, is amazing. Um, otherwise, Tom McCarthy's Remainder is this weird modernist novel that I talked about on Book Travels uh, that um, is still disturbing me uh, two months later. What book are you going to read over Christmas? Do you have, because I'm allowed, over Christmas I sometimes read, like I think, I won't get round to reading Ken Dodd's biography at any other time. Louis Barth, who's a great writer on, sort of about Les Dawson and uh, kind of Saturday Night Light Entertainment Television, all manner of things. And I think that's my perfect book for reading over Christmas, is a um, book about Ken Dodd. <laughs> I go um, large, heavy books, because I need to be rooted to the sofa. So I've got um, Kim Stanley Robinson's Green Earth. Uh, I love his Mars trilogy, which I've read several times since I was a kid and first found them. Uh, but I haven't read Green Earth, and it's in one. It was a trilogy, and now it's one doorstepping volume. So that me the sofa and a tub of celebrations. It's my idea of a good oh, Christmas. Yeah, because I did. I saw in a bookshop window today some uh, the enormous Isaac Asimov All Foundation in one yes. fell swoop, and I managed to go. No, you've got Ken Dodd's biography to read. <laughs> Have you read the uh, sequels that were set in the same world, but written no. by people like Ben Bubba and? Uh, Greg Bear, they're much better because I this is I, I, controversial, but it turns out I don't think Asimov could write brilliant ideas. Oh, but I went back. I loved those books as a kid, and I went back and read them, and it's really clunky. But they they have um, novels set in the same world written by modern science fiction authors, which are uh, astounding and amazing. So I recommend those as well. Once you've got to Ken Dodd to deal with. I mean, 2020 is going to be the year I read James Joyce's Ulysses. What all of it? I have yet again taken it off the shelf. Placed it near my bed, and then sometime in July, I will take it away from being near my bed and put it, put back. it back on the shelf. Should we tell you it ends badly? I've no idea whether it does or not. No, it doesn't. It just, it's just a day. It's just, it's a, just day. a very long day. You could go to Dublin instead, maybe, and sort of. Well, I'm going to use it exactly as Joyce wanted to. I'm going to rebuild Dublin. <laughs> Because that, that was his idea, wasn't yeah. it? That, that Dublin would be in the same way that Alan Moore, Jerusalem, you can rebuild Northampton. I might do Northampton first, then Dublin. Yeah, it feels like that's the right order. I don't think you want to start with Dublin. You've got to work up to that. Yeah, I think you're right. Thanks, Chris. Hello, we interrupt your current podcast listening to give you an exciting announcement about the 17th of May 2020 where we will be doing another show at the Royal Albert Hall. Some of you might remember we did a show, Space Shambles, with uh, Rusty Schweikart from Apollo 9 and Chris Hadfield and Public Service Broadcasting and Stuart Lee and Helen Chersky and various others and Lucy Green as well. And this time, as opposed to going into space, we're going to go deep into the ocean for a sea shambles. We have many guests confirmed, but most of them we're not going to announce yet. So for the time being, I can merely tell you that I will be there, Steve Baxter will be there and Helen Chersky will be there uh, now go to our website cosmicshambles.com where every now and again we will tell you more exciting news about Sea Shambles. We now return you to your programme uh, My name's Chris Hadfield um, uh, I've read a couple interesting things this year one, one for fun, or several things for fun, one for purpose the book I found the most interesting was Red Notice by Bill Browder it um, it is the corruption of Russia, but also how it led to the Magnitsky Act being passed, which has really kind of changed international law enforcement. It's a fascinating story, told from one man's perspective. So there's, you have to forgive him a lot of his own particular individual biases, but I found it very uh, interesting, especially having lived in Russia for five years. So that was good. I'm also in the process of writing a fourth book, which is probably going to be uh, historical fiction. And so I've been rereading several of the authors that I really like the way they use the language, like... Um, Dickens and George MacDonald Fraser and uh, gosh who else uh, uh, there's a guy who wrote a series about Travis McGee and there's uh, anyway there's some people I think just write really well and and so uh, so I'm reading a lot of stuff now just to remind myself of how good authors write uh, I'm backstage at Nine Lessons of Carol's Curious People with uh, Joanna Neary, who's with us for a second night. She was wonderful last night doing uh, a, another of Celia's. Uh, well, that's the thing I actually want to ask you quickly, which is in terms of your writing of Celia's diaries mm -hmm. uh, and Celia's kind of memories of these moments where she suddenly becomes flirtatious with a handyman, um, what do you think is your 
literary influence from that? Because I think it's more than just, you know, obviously Celia Johnson's the, the kind of template initially, but I feel that the writing in it is, is sometimes so complex and beautiful and poetic. That's interesting. I never thought about that. When I first wrote that one, and the one I'm doing here this week is my very first Celia monologue, and it was completely inspired by my memory of the, f- memory of the film. Like, I didn't rewatch it and, you know... But maybe at that time when I wrote that, it was maybe, what was I reading? Probably Daphne du Maurier I was probably mm. reading. Do you think that maybe might it be? She's quite florid, isn't she? Yeah, I could see, uh, I could see that. But no, it's, I just wondered because sometimes, yeah. even Girls though it was... Crystal, a... school friend. I can't remember what I was reading when I wrote that. That was quite a long time ago that I no, see, I want you to have another Celia as well, who's a non-Celia, who's based on June from it's A Matter of Life and Death. I think oh, you do a wonderful... June. I watched it's so it again like, on Sunday. She cries at the beginning, doesn't it? Yeah. He's so I'm pretty June. Not bad, I suppose. <laughs> you know, that, that whole it's bit beautiful. is so... It's just beautiful, isn't it, that bit? Yeah. I think the whole film is just... Um, Andy Marvel, what a marvel. Ah, yes, beautiful. Great. Yeah. So this year, what are the books that you have particularly... I know you read a lot. What, what are the ones you particularly enjoyed? Well, I read uh, John Higgs's latest Future Is Here book, and it wasn't my favourite one. I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, I, I kind of got my back up a little bit in a couple of moments, um, especially the stuff about millennials and what they think and other people think and all those different um, you know, names that we call different people from different generations. That was tricky. Um, I think before, the books I really loved was the 20th Century one and Watling Street and the KLF one, and they felt more like interesting ideas being presented with him being very, very witty and like a lovely leading question at the end of every chapter which made you keep on wanting to read, whereas this one is getting a bit more opinionated. And so I didn't enjoy it as much as the other ones. That's me being super critical. Oh, you're going to enjoy the next one, William Blake, though. Yeah, I've read the yeah. I've read the Taster, and that That's was great. really interesting. Well, it's, it's, it's a, a second great introduction. book, I think. I think that book is going to be, as far as I know, uh, his his book about why William Blake is uh, not merely still important but will remain important is. Uh, I think his publisher just went. There's a William Blake exhibition. Write this. So it's oh. it's not a bit of the book. It is actually, I, as far as I know, it's going to be uh, the book itself will be entirely uh, well, pretty much unique to that. As oh, that's well. interesting. That'll be good, won't it? Um, and I also read. Um, dum, dum, dum. I'm reading still Masha Geeson's um, "The Future Is History: How Totalitarianism Reclaimed Russia," and it's incredible. I did a little tweet about it. Actually, I think you might have seen about a bit where people who have gone through the gulag and stuff don't talk about it to their children because they don't want to scar them and they want to have horrible stories and you know but apparently what that does is it teaches the children not to trust their intuition so they can feel there's something bad and wrong in their family and nobody talks about it so they grow up not trusting how they feel and what they can sense and it's really really damaging and there's little things like that in there it's all about how on the philosopher's ship that set sail out of Russia in probably 1921 would it have been I'm not very good with remembering dates everyone that was a psychologist or a philosopher or a psychoanalyst was shipped out of Russia and so all, the whole of that Russian, that period of Russian history from then until Perestroika in the 1990, they, nobody was equipped with thinking about how they felt. Nobody talked about how they felt. And then they were expected to recover. It's absolutely incredible, but I really recommend it because it's jaw-dropping. And to know what's going on over there right now, I mean, it's probably outdated now. It only came out a year ago, two years ago. That's I suppose there's effort. still the pattern of it, how it was achieved, that remains. Yeah, the, you know. and he's still in power, isn't he? And good Lord, it's incredible. He was telling me, someone I met the other day was talking about the, uh, the Oliver Stone uh, interviews with uh, Vladimir Putin, and they were saying how you could see the charisma as well, that he has tremendous charisma. Oh, uh, well, yeah, there was something in that book that made me think of this election. It said in it, and I can't find it to quote it, but it said about when people are, f- are full of fear, they vote for the right because they want to feel protected and looked after and told what to do and it makes them feel safe and it's part of why Russia have gone back to totalitarianism because they just felt all at sea with their you know their history and their feelings and not being able to deal with it and that was interesting I thought with this election I think mm. people are afraid of, of massive change maybe but then yeah. people didn't vote either I've got some um, <laughs> um, some books that oh I read Arthur Machen's The Hill of Dreams oh yeah he's very oh, interesting isn't he yeah. yeah and I did a picture of it and what I loved about it was I read about it after I'd read it and somebody, and somebody said that he basically writes about adolescence really well. So the main character veers between thinking he's brilliant and he knows everything and being hopeless and, and, and emotional. And it is so true in it how you think you're the king of the world and then you just feel like nothing at all. And the book doesn't state what's happening to him. It's up, have you read it? No, I You've haven't. You've got to kind of try and decide what's happening to him. It's just brilliant. And I couldn't read it after dark. Oh, that's good. It's scary. And can I tell you a book that I'm going to read next? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to read At the Lock of the Green Corrie by... Um, Andrew Someone. Andrew Someone. I'm going to read The Three Imposters by Arthur Machin. I'm going to read Jerusalem, which I haven't read yet. I oh, that. well, that's the year covered then. 
is it? Molotov's... Well, I was going to reread that, yeah. but it is three volumes. It's huge. Yeah, I got it out of the library and I thought I'm just going to get such a massive fine. I'm going to read. Mol- <laughs> I recommended these by Melinda Gebby. Molotov's Magic Lantern right. by Rachel Polonsky, and that's by Faber and Faber. She recommended that. It's a book about literature about other writers, which is going to be nice because I'm going to get introduced to some other writers, won't I? Mm. Without having to plough through them. <laughs> and then finally, I'm going to read The Lady and the Little Fox by Violette Leduc. L Leduc. L U D U C. And I read a book in French. That's good. As well, which is really brilliant. It's only a children's book, but it's really, really beautiful and very French. It's about um, Stinky Dog. Um, and it's fascinating isn't it when you do certain people they get so driven by going if they love an author enough they go I must now learn the language they wrote this in yeah my dad does that he reads the original language books he said they're just beautiful he read a Eugene Sue book by Eugene Sue and he said yeah it's wonderful reading it in the original language Joan O'Neary thank you very much and listen to her podcast which is also on Cosmic Shambles go and find it (laughs) thank you um, Suze Gage, uh, author of uh, a book that's coming out in 2020, Say Why to Drugs, yes. which is uh, a, well it's more than a spin-off from your podcast, but it's, it's inspired by some of the things you're doing with that. So that's obviously going to be everyone's book of 2020. Well, we can only hope, yes. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely going to be my book of 2020. It's the I've only one I'm going to write. Pe- people, the, the, the people I've bumped into who've read it already, read it in proof copy things, everyone... Everyone's been effusive about it That's and really enjoyed it. Lovely, thank you. Um, so, what books have you read? Well, it was great because I finished writing that at the sort of March or something this year. So, I actually had some time to read because I remember speaking to you this time last year and racking my brains for any books I'd read at all. But it was so exciting because there's been loads on my list of wanting to read. So, the first one I read was Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez, which is obviously incredible, anger inducing. Um, brilliantly written, brilliantly researched uh, book about the sort of gender data gap is the way that she puts mm. it and how it's something that I, as a someone who's done a lot of um, medical research in terms of kind of looking at published papers and looking at statistics and that kind of thing, it's true that in the field that I work in, looking at the links between drugs and mental health, so many of these sort of seminal papers are, are research conducted entirely on men and we just think oh it's probably the same for women as well and and so her book really explores kind of how dangerous that is as an idea and how actually there there are differences between women and men that mean that some of these assumptions that we make can be life-threatening I mean they're sort of annoying at times I've definitely found that when I go and give a talk quite often lecterns are so high that I'm like peering over the top of it because they're sort of designed for a standard man rather than standard human and that's annoying but there are some things that are kind of life-threatening so yeah an interesting and anger inducing book um book I really loved I've read a few novels this year which is nice because I don't normally get to do that The One Who Wrote Destiny by Nikesh Shukla actually I saw when you came to Liverpool and did an event with Nikesh and Josie and that was really amazing and I um, bought um, The One Who Wrote Destiny after that after hearing Nikesh talk and it was just such a brilliant book It's, it's about kind of cancer and families and life and death and it's just it's so beautifully written and it's um kind of about um a life that I don't know about about being an immigrant in the UK and that kind of thing and um but it's just written in such an accessible way that it's it's sort of a learning experience as well as being a really incredible novel as well and then I had this amazing experience where I moved house I moved from Bristol to Liverpool about three well three years ago now um and the person who moved into my old house found me on Facebook um, and said, you keep getting books posted to you. So we were down in Bristol at a friend's wedding and we called by the house and she had a big pile of like seven or eight books. Three of them were Women of Substances by Jenny Valentich, which is a brilliant book, but I'd already read. So those have been distributed out to friends. But some of them were books that I hadn't heard of. I've no idea why they were sent to me. I've no idea why they were sent to a house I don't live in anymore. But um, one was called The Psychology of Time Travel, by um, Kate Mascarenhas. I don't know how to pronounce her name because I've only ever seen it written down. But that's a book about four women who discover time travel and how that changes the world, but also their relationships with each other. Um, it's really, really interesting. And like, you kind of get a book in the post and you don't really know, and I just couldn't put it down. It was absolutely brilliant. But the one I liked maybe as much or even more is called Keller by Laura Legg. And it's about these... Uh, 
women who may or may not be witches who are kind of ostracized from a village in the outer hebrides and so they live in they live kind of the other side of the river of this village and they don't really have any kind of mod cons or anything like that i think it might be set in the 70s but wherever it's set they are living a much sort of more um, backwards kind of or simple life than the villagers that they can see over the water and it's kind of about um, one of them it's about their sort of their dysfunctional but functional relationship they're not related but they've all kind of been ostracized for various reasons and they may or may not be witches and one of them leaves and then kind of moves to I think it's Glasgow and it's about her sort of discovering her life as well and and it's just it was just I didn't know what to expect from it again and um yeah really well written a book I probably would never have discovered if it hadn't been randomly posted to me so whoever sent it thank you very much I like the fact that the the idea that what is arriving at the house that once was yours yeah are books about time travel and witchcraft (laughs) because it it feels like somewhere the spells or the laws of physics that are being broken mean that they're not managing to update whatever database they have yeah to ensure that they send it to the correct positioning of Susie Gates I know it does feel appropriate and yeah it did they did both end up in my hands so some things some, the universe is working correctly in some way and then the most recent book I read that was astounding is called Out of the Woods by Luke Turner so Luke Turner's one of the one of the quietest the sort of music mm. website um, and he's written a book all about Epping Forest and his sexuality and it's sort of a part memoir part um, yeah like sort of psychogeography kind of book and it's just it's just yeah astounding is the only word I can really think of it's so gripping and sort of disgusting and beautiful at the same time it's and it's just talks about male sexuality in a way that I've never read a book about male sexuality like that before and I would heartily recommend it to people to read it's 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 yeah you can definitely tell that you finished your book at some point last uh, this year because it means you've actually been... That's why you had read nothing last I year. Know. And I, I could just read I things just, about witches and time yeah, travel exactly. and non-research papers. Yeah, and, oh, it's so nice. And it's what I really missed while I was writing. Like, I really loved writing my book, but basically I only read books about drugs for about two years. And so it's really nice to read books not about drugs. Although most books mention drugs at some point in them. That's something I've learned since I've been a drugs researcher and you start to notice it. It is a topic that kind of pervades literature and music and memoirs. And, you know, it's just, it is everywhere. Drugs. Thanks, Susan. Thanks. I'm joined by uh, bibliophile Ben Moore. He's a bibliophile. He does lovely books of the year on uh, his website. And... uh, I now just find out. So have you put that up yet? By the yeah, way, I haven't yeah. seen it. Have you not? Are you not? I've not seen list? it yet. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. I haven't yeah, seen yeah. it. Well, there are some great books. I've read some brilliant books this year. Not all published in 2019. Let's For start example. on the 2019 ones. What are the ones that you of of books that came out in, within the last year? Okay, Lost Children Archive by Valeria Lucelli. Right, extraordinary novel. Um, uh, Stuley's March of the Lemmings. Yeah, super. Uh, episodes by Christopher Priest. I'm a huge Christopher Priest fan. Oh, that's interesting. I bought one the other day because I've. Uh, which is the one where he basically deals with time and kind of uh, turns it on its head? There's, there's one. That's oh, all of them. But well, he does because I've just been reading Sean Carroll's book about the actual, you know, the physics of time and our understanding okay. of why it only moves forward and the necessity of that. And oh no, I know what it was. It's Christopher Priest's one about um, uh, an alternative uh, history of World War Two, the separation. That's it. It's extraordinary. It's about twins and different paths and everything like that. But episodes is really interesting because it's um, um, short stories from different parts of his career. But he's done a before and after of each short story of how the short story came to be, where it was commissioned, etc., etc. You know what he was what he was living through at the time, and then the short story, and then a little bit about the the life of the short story, where it was published you know it's history afterwards and I think that's in a really great way of doing doing stories um, other things this year Jonathan Hickman's amazing new X-Men books Powers of Ten and uh, House of X extraordinary with various artists um, just to mention Christopher Priest yeah, I see him as a similar kind of uh, time as, as some of the writers of the 1970s who might be seen as slightly more fancy or psychogeographical or kind of Alan Garners and things like that so I wondered if you'd want, uh, read Strange Attractor's uh, Pender's Fen Source book yet I have not, but you will write that down for me as we leave, and I will seek it out. Thank you. 
Uh, but books published in previous years, for example, Dorothy Whipple's Someone at a Distance. Oh, just fabulous. Give me a bit of background, because when you mentioned her name, I, 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 I've never heard of her. I'm, I, and it's such a great name immediately. And I'm now imagining the kind of Virago cover that it may well have. Was Persephone. Well oh, okay. Who um, published amazing books. And, um, oh, I don't know that much about her. I know, you know, 1940s, 50s. But it was recommended to me by Laura Wade, brilliant playwright. And I thought, okay, I'll seek it out, sort it out, recommended it to a few people. And other people have come back to me and said, oh, what a recommendation. So, listeners, seek this book out. It's not really from me, it's via me. But, you know, you'll love it too. Persephone have got some... I, 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 there was one book I got of someone's... A, 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 a woman in Notting Hill, just her war diary, that was absolutely fascinating. Um, this is oh, quite an old... This, this must be one of their early ones. 49, it was the No, no, it wasn't Netta. one of those. No, okay. it was... Uh, I'm pretty certain that was Persephone. Right. The, um, I'll tell you a small publisher that I think you'll like. The PS Publishing, who do the Midnight Movie Monographs. Do you know about no. these? Each one is a, a, a book which is entirely on a single horror film. So they did one on Horror Express, one on George A. Romero's Martin. Uh, there's an excellent one on Deathline. Uh, a very good book on Tommy, uh, Ken Russell's Tommy. Uh, and they also publish uh, the work of Stephen Volk, who did Ken Russell's Gothic and Ghost Watch, the famous kind of, uh, you know, panic, uh, Michael Parkinson, Mike Smith, uh, ghost panic thing. Superb. What else have I read? I've read all of Joanna Walsh's uh, recent short story collections. Olga Tanchuk, I'm saying that wrong. You know, the Nobel Prize winner. Yeah. Flights, again, very um, very interesting, very trippy. You know, you, you go into this world. I love a book. It looks like it's going to be a challenge because it's got that many pages. And then you enter it, and then you, you can't wait to go back into it when you put it down or you, you know, fold it up on the tube and on the bus, and you go, oh, I'm back in this world now. No, I want to be in the world of the book. And, uh, you know, I highly recommend her as well. Um, what else have I loved? Did you read um, Jarrett Kobeck's latest one, which I think came out at the beginning of this year? Maybe it was the end of last year, Only Americans Burn in Hell. I haven't read that, no. Sorry. Oh, okay. Good tip. Again, thank you. I'll take that. Um, what else? I can't remember now. I have a big list, as, a, as you say, on my uh, website, and I, I knew I had to remember these when I was going to talk to you. Sorry. Um. <laughs> Did you have any books you returned to? Did you have any though, that that return to a a, a a book you're fond of where you know every couple of years you go, oh, I'm going to go back to that again. Uh, sort of the Driftless Area by Tom Drury. I'm a huge Tom Drury fan. Love everything he's done, and the Driftless Area is lovely and short. So that's another book I'd dip into. Um, Samantha Schweblin's Mouthful of Birds. There's my final tip. So Fever Dream was one of my books of last year. The um, strange novel about a mother and a child. Uh, I think she's Argentinian or Mexican. She's published in Spanish and translated into English. And Mouthful of Birds is a series of short stories that are just this weird side of reality. And you kind of go in... Again, it's like, you know, you, you enter the world and then it's over... And then you go, oh, that's interesting. And I'm just currently reading Shelley Jackson's short stories, which are always Dark Tales. The, the, Where's the Lottery one? and other Oh, uh, right, yeah. yeah I read fabulous. the Dark Tales collection. And everyone is entirely satisfying. <laughs> that's what I think. You know what? It's just yeah. e even the ones where you feel that there's still some level of uncertainty as to what the reality may be, yeah. you don't feel in any way cheated. Well, I didn't anyway. No, she's great. Uh, that's my books of the year. Excellent choices. The uh, I reread um, the Sirens of Titan uh, while I was travelling this year, and it's the first time. And I don't know why I've not noticed it before. I'm sure you would have done. It appears to me what an influence that must have been on Douglas Adams, and I've just not noticed it before. I don't know why. You know, um, funny, beautiful, space, clever. Yeah, just the way he deals with some of those scientific ideas that you kind yeah. of think. When, when you first read them, you go, oh, that must be a thing made up by a fiction writer. Like, they make up brilliant things, don't they? And then you go, oh, that is attached to <laughs> a possibility. Yeah. No, I'll look out for that again. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Robin. Sorry. And just so you know, by the way, Ben Moore's going to be doing, uh, he's got loads of shows, uh, new shows coming up, including Pronoun Trouble, which I still haven't seen, which you've been started nearly a year ago now, didn't you? It's no, that was first performed in July 2017. 
Then the show that I did with Joanna Neary called Book Talk, Book Talk, Book, which we perform at book festivals and bookshops, that was July 2018. And July 2019, these are all at the Port Elliot Festival, um, I did the first reading of the new show, which is called Who Hears Lost? And the plan is to take all three shows uh, to run them sort of in Edinburgh Fringe next year, not all, every single day, but get them all up there as a, as a sort of repertory. And we should say, kind of, we're not RIP Port Elliot Festival because mm. we wouldn't like them to rest in no. peace. We'd like them to rise again like a kind of a vivacious zombie. Absolutely. I mean, that's what it really needs, that sort of life spirit that just shuffles forward forever. Now, it's a beautiful festival. Uh, it's an extraordinary location. And it's an amazing mix of art, fashion, music, um, literature, wild swimming. And I'm always there with the Idler Academy, um, which is another beautifully curated, curated um, institution where lots of talks, lots of events, lots of lessons, but also just a, a nice spirit as well. And um, we did book talk, book talk, book at um, Curious Arts Byline Festival as well. And so, I mean, that's another. Oh, I really, festival. I've not done that one. I've really liked yeah, it. It's great. Thanks, Ben. My name is Tim Peake, astronaut, and the favourite thing I have read this year is Life 3.0 by Max Tegmark, and it's a fascinating insight into where artificial intelligence is today and where we're going in the future. Um, I think everybody should read it. Um, It really is quite eye-opening. It's very thought-provoking. We need to be having serious discussions about AI today, and I think it comes across in the book, but it's also very entertaining and it's um yeah it's a, it's a it's a great book and i would recommend people to read it professor lucy green what have you read this year that you particularly enjoyed i have um struck out and read a different kind of book this year for me i read a science fiction book called the three body problems by a chinese author whose name actually i'm not going to try and pronounce because i'll probably get it wrong well well something like lu chixin Let's have a little look. There we go. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. That, that, we were just yeah, saying that interesting yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And what is it? What, what was it that? Uh, so you don't normally read science fiction? Though? No, I don't. I'm a bit of an oddity in um, astrophysics, I think, because loads of my colleagues either grew up reading sci-fi or watching sci-fi on TV, but I just, I just liked the, I just like physics. I'm not yeah. really bothered about that kind of fantasy world and um and that side of of literature but I thought right I need to start reading some and this book sadly the hook was it has a solar physicist in it which is (laughs) so so he said you must read it you must read it and and it was Jim Alcalini's book's got a solar physicist as well yes yes finally after seeing my talks he's written a book about the sun and Mass ejections. Um, so yeah, she's right. And actually, I've read most of his book, but I haven't quite finished it yet. So this year has been my sci-fi drawn in through the sun. Um, <laughs> so the three body problem was is is an amazing book. It's it's the first one in a trilogy, and it's set in obviously in China, and it weaves together Chinese history, the Cultural Revolution, family scenarios but also with loads of physics and maths. And so people might, when I say the three-body problem, they might be thinking of what that is and how um, it, it's not a problem that's, e- that's able to be solved. So without giving too much away, if you're into physics and you're into maths, this sci-fi book weaves together really cleverly all these elements and it's it's completely plausible, yet it's a, it's a mystery book as well. And so you're... You're just eager to get to the end and, and 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 make your discovery. In terms of your own kind of area, are there any books where that particularly shone out um, in non-fiction? Um, do you know I'm I'm terrible at reading now because I I read so many scientific research papers that reading for pleasure has sort of gone out of the window which is really sad to say and I'm also a really bad reader I'm always being told um, by my other half that I find it really hard to pick up a book and read from start to end I want to get to the juicy bit of knowledge that I want to know and so I've had a terrible habit of just flicking through flicking through getting to the bit that gives me the answer I want and then I put the book down and I move on to something else see I do that a bit with especially if I'm asked to read a book if someone says can I have a quote and I don't ever give quotations for, for books unless I've read the, the, the book and uh, and I do find especially with that and then I get caught up in doing that with every book of, of information 
is I can skip read and go, there's information and then there's loads of stuff around that. There's information and then there's just loads of frippery around that. And I do, I do that as well, yeah. which is not with every book. Some of them I become fully immersed in and some I just go, ring that bit of information, ring that bit of information. I think that's everything that I need. Yeah, I'm terrible with that. I have been reading a book about machine learning, space weather and machine learning, so that's been interesting. And, and um, it's interesting to see in my community how even though machine learning has been around for a long, long time, people have kind of jumped on it in astrophysics and particularly in in solar physics as a kind of new tool that might help us answer questions about predicting activity on the sun. So I've been trying to get my head around that. There was a good book that was published as sort of a collection of essays on on machine learning and space weather. That was a good one. That's one that probably stands out to me as being useful. But again, I dipped in and out, read the little bits that I want. I'm terrible at that. I think you're allowed to. It's like Claudia Hammond was just saying as well, because reading was number one in her book, Art of, the, Art of Rest, and uh, that there is a thing of mindless reading, where your, your eyes are moving across the page, but you're no longer taking things in. And apparently even that's got used to it as well. So don't worry about your different reading. You're, yeah. you're idiosyncratic. Idiosyncratic? That's a word. Idiosyncratic is the worst is a, kind of critic. Yeah. Not only do they lambast you, but also you have no understanding of what they've said. Thank you very much. Go, Ben. Um, I'm just handing this over to Ben Moore. He's going to walk down the corridor and go and sit on his own and tell you about some other books he's remembered. Thank you, Robin. Join me as I walk down the corridor and sit on my own. Um, I've remembered some other books. Okay, so um, You're on an Airplane by Parker Posey. It's coming out in paperback this year. I read it in hardback. It's extraordinary. Oh, no, I've done that. I'm just doing something terrible with my phone. Anyway, You're on an Airplane by Parker Posey. Um, Do read that. It's extraordinary. Memoir come... Uh, discussion, digressions about life by the extraordinary American actor. And I read also Judy Greer's memoir, and it's called um, I Don't Know What You Know Me From, and she's brilliant too. Um, uh, what else? Uh, Shopfronts of London by um, Eleanor Crow, beautiful book of uh, watercolour paintings of London shopfronts, but also to do with what's going on on the high street. Lanny by Max Porter, amazing book uh if you haven't read grief is the thing with feathers um you should find that too and i think lanny is extraordinary as well um and the other one on my list was the topeka school by ben lerner again i've read um 1004 and living touch station and he's brilliant too so pick up that as well otherwise i mentioned all the books that uh, are on my mail out as my books of the year so thank you very much robin i know there's going to be a bit of a pause because i don't quite know how to switch this off and i'm a bit of an idiot thank you bye-bye i i stopped reading for a while which was awful but you know i'm i get addicted and so i have to read the whole thing all night and if i've got anything on the next day that's not really good oh fair enough yeah. poetry might be what you need mm. you can get seamus heaney done in a night okay yeah it's worth it. it. You'd like the first one, yeah. It's all about frogs and stuff. I like frogs. Um, was it toads? Oh, I can't remember now. Death and actress. Anyway, so what have you read this year? I have read Forever Completely by J.J. Patrick, which is set in post-apocalyptic UK. And it's also got witchcraft in it. But it was all very realistic. And sort of like you could follow, the, follow it without saying, no, there's a massive hole. You break science with that. I mean, other than a couple of the... So is, it, so is this a future world which has now returned to a dystopian kind of... Uh, it's like, how the, that apocalypse happened, what happened, and the immediate aftermath. It's really good. It was, yeah, it was a really nice story. And there were so many different threads to it um, that were just right. So when he said, oh, and I touched the silver birch and it felt like this, and I thought, oh, no, yeah, that's what a silver birch feels like. Or he said, oh, and then the moon was in this phase and, and the stars were there. And I thought, oh, yeah, that time of year, the stars, you would have seen those stars from there. So it was, it was all just correct. And really have good. you read My Name is Monster by Katie Howe? No. Because that, you might, I'm just thinking of dystopian future things set in the British Isles, because she survives the uh, Armageddon. She's in the, um, uh, the seed bank in Svalbard. Oh, yeah. And that one has, uh, is quite an interesting one. Mm, I'm not sure about the accuracy of the constellations and uh, their, their movements in that yeah. way. You've got to know these things. Yeah, haven't you? Peter Buckley Hill knows those things. 
because he's one of the great experts on uh, the aliens that came and visited the Earth and uh, led to human beings. Aren't you, Peter? Uh, No, 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 not quite. I am an expert on things that were not Jesus. Uh, And I'm not even quite an expert on on those. I have read some of those alien things. And um, indeed, I I, I could well be one. I mean, how do you know you're not? Um, We do well. The... uh, I was having a long conversation about David Icke the other day, but I'm not going to regale you with that because uh, that conversation existed and must die and not exi- exist in the next universe somewhere. Um, so, you, but you were telling me you've been reading the, uh, the the follow-up to the Holy Blood and the Holy Grail, which was uh, huge. The messianic legacy. It was indeed huge. Yes, all being built around these. Uh, conspiracies around Rennes-le-Chateau where people still dig for you know, whatever they dig for you mainly sort of the remains of Jesus or Mary Mary or, or the treasure that Béranger Saunier was alleged to have and probably did um, anyway the, you know, the follow-up follows up on the uh, on the conspiracy and it is extremely tedious I do not know why I took it from the shelves. Uh, ex- and you won't give up on it now? I will not give up no. on it. I want to go through the extreme tedium uh, and, 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 and get to the end um, where, um, where they discover the significance of the blue apples, right. which are a major part, if you recall, of the Holy Blood and the Holy Grail as, uh, uh, as taken by Dan Brown as the basis for the Da Vinci code which to my eternal shame i read once um i i, I keep a special section well, on my bookshelf to book be honest i this. think you only need to have shame it will be eternal shame if you said which i read twice yeah, then the, i think that would yeah this is a the, 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 this is indeed quite correct there are many other things that i have read once um and sometimes, the dead of night, my fingers hover over them. Is there a third? They did a third Holy Blood, Holy Grail book, did they? Or Because or, I know Henry Lincoln did another one about Ren and Chateau at some point. Um, yeah, I think, having got the theme, I, I think they did several, but I've only got the two. Um, uh, but other people have been digging around there, and, and because I have not prepared for this, I can't cite you their names and titles, but, 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 but they did, and I've got them. Uh, and why I've got them, I do not know, but I have. Um, and uh, um, jolly interesting they are too. Oh, uh, and, the, and there's one that um, completely blows itself on the first couple of pages, um, where um, it quotes one of the old French texts. Uh, um, and again, with preparation, I could do this exactly, but... Uh, um, uh, but one of the texts says, Conquis par feu le comte de something. Yeah. Um, and they translate that as conquered by fire. And they use that throughout the entire book. But of course, it doesn't mean that at all. Feu is the French way of saying the late. And well, hope this. I have to admit, you're not luring to me towards these books, which is a great no, pity because no, they're well, widely available for a pound. You didn't ask me to lure you to these books. You asked me what <laughs> I had been <laughs> reading. I mean, the Trent had to walk in to stop us having this conversation because he knows Absolute it's the truth. I can. I was actually coming into the green room to uh, talk to Lucy Rogers about how we're going to get a stand with her remote-controlled dinosaurs onto the stage uh, for that night nine lessons show uh but as i'm recording this i'm in the studio putting together this episode that you're currently listening to how very meta uh so i thought i would ask uh melinda burton who is also here and is one of the co-producers of the nine lessons shows what her favorite books of the year were melinda what were your favorite books you read this year um i finally finished jerusalem by alan moore which has taken me three years it's astounding um and others by oh my goodness I've forgotten his name edited by Charles Fernahoe who uh, will be on Book Shambles talking about that very soon in an episode with Robin and Laura Kidd that one it was a brilliant collection of stories and really nice to hear lots of different voices yeah those are my two favourites thank you very much and we will end on uh, my favourite books of the year uh, one of mine is one that uh, Robin has mentioned that lots of people have mentioned on podcasts throughout the year. My Name is Why by Lem Sisse I thought was phenomenal. 
Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow, which is a sort of disturbing whodunit uh, behind the scenes look at his investigations into Harvey Weinstein and the sort of the cover-ups of the cover-ups and the, the, the lengths he had to go to just to even get that story out. Uh, and Mouthful of Blood, uh, which is a collection of uh, essays by Toni Morrison, who very sadly passed away earlier this year as well. Uh, a anthology of some of her writings, uh, like shorter writings and essays and speeches and that sort of thing, uh, was brought out earlier this year. And that is uh, an excellent read as well. So they are my three recommendations. That is everyone's recommendations. Thank you very much for listening. As always, thank you very much. It's our last episode of the year, so thank you very much to all of our Patreon supporters throughout the year, whether you have been a supporter since episode one of Book Shambles or all this year, or you've just joined us, or you did whatever it was you did uh, in terms of your Patreon support. Thank you very much. Uh, this show does not exist without you pledging on patreon.com slash bookshamble. So thank you very much. Thank you to all our listeners throughout the year. Thanks for downloading each week. Thanks for tweeting us. Thanks for emailing in, for sharing the podcast, uh, rating it and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. It all really helps uh, us keep making episodes and getting into the studio and out and about with lots of great guests. We've got lots of new episodes uh lined up or already recorded for 2020 just some of the guests we've got coming up are joan smith and russell kane and chris lintott and alan moore will be back as well so look out for those check out everything else that's going on on cosmicshamble.com lots coming up in 2020 compendium is back obviously nine lessons is back obviously sea shambles at the royal albert hall our new documentary series uh we filmed with isa with helen chersky lots of other live shows blogs documentaries this that and the other have a great new year and we will see you in it next thursday by which we mean January 9th, not January 2nd. That's this week. First episode of Book Shambles 2020, January 9th. See you then. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' Book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions.